coming up on this episode of Harmless. I slowly began to realize that this job was also affecting my colleagues mentally as well. I witnessed firsthand the toll that was exacted upon a longtime friend and trusted work colleague who was completely destroyed by this job. I want you to learn about the actual human beings behind these investigations so that you know it's not just some nebulous entity bringing these predators to justice. I'm going to introduce you to some of the most extraordinary people all over the world so you can hear it from their unique perspectives, the sacrifices they made to further such a noble endeavor. Now is the time that we have this conversation and pull our collective heads out of the sand as a society and confront this issue head on. There are men and women out there working tirelessly that are counting on a society to back them. And we can't back them if we don't really know what's going on. Welcome to Harmless the Podcast, Child Sexual Exploitation, The Truth, The Toll. I am your host, Eric Oldenburg, and I want to have a conversation with you. A conversation about the true nature and scope of child sexual exploitation investigations. The true nature of the content being consumed, distributed, and created and the truth about the mental toll that this job exacts on those willing to undertake it. My hope is that this is an educational and informative conversation that will elicit support, empathy, and action. It's going to be intriguing, captivating, and thought-provoking. However, it may also be difficult, uneasy, and upsetting at times. Nevertheless, it holds the potential for hope and positivity as well. So knowing that this could be an upsetting conversation, why would you want to have it? And why would you want to have it with me? You have had difficult conversations in your life. Depending on how much you cared about the person or the subject, no matter how difficult the conversation is, you had it because the person or the subject mattered so much to you. We've all had difficult conversations, upsetting ones, confronting ones, painful conversations, but each one of them occurred because change was needed. Something was broken and it needed to be fixed. So what about me? Why would you want to have this conversation with me? Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a retired Phoenix police detective I was on the Phoenix Police Department for 24 years until my retirement in 2018. The last 15 years of my career were spent on the Arizona Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. This task force is comprised of over 60 affiliate law enforcement agencies around the United States. It is federally funded to help fight crimes against children as they occur on the Internet or in a digital space. I worked in two different capacities, 
Half of my time was spent investigating these crimes, and the other half was spent as a computer forensic examiner analyzing the data and evidence from these investigations. I slowly began to realize that this job was not only affecting me mentally, but it was also affecting my colleagues mentally as well. My passion is for the protection of the mental health of all of those involved in crimes against children investigations, and specifically those who have to analyze, review, and report on child sexual abuse material. But my passion was not truly forged until I witnessed firsthand the toll that was exacted upon a longtime friend and trusted work colleague. After my retirement, I was fortunate enough to work for a company that wrote software specifically to help investigators and computer forensic examiners get through this massive deluge of imagery that they were seeing in investigation after investigation after investigation. My job was to go around the world and train investigators how to use this software to not only increase their efficiency, but also reduce their exposure and mental trauma. After traveling around the world and meeting some of the most remarkable people in my life, I realized one thing. I've had a very unremarkable career. Now that's not to say I'm not proud of the work I did and that I don't think I did excellent work. I just didn't do anything exceptional. I never took down an entire network on the dark web. I never tracked down a child from a clue in the background of a photograph or video. I was never the lead investigator in a case that ended up rescuing a child. But in my career, I have been fortunate enough to meet and get to know individuals who have accomplished remarkable things, world-changing things, and I'm excited to introduce you to some of these extraordinary people from all over the world. I want you to hear their stories and their perspectives firsthand their successes, their failures, and their struggles. But most importantly, the personal sacrifices they made along the way to further such a noble endeavor. My entire adult professional career, I always strived to surround myself with people that are smarter than me and more knowledgeable than me. And in this line of work, it could not have been easier but intelligent people oftentimes have the most persuasive demons. I want you to learn about the actual human beings behind these investigations so that you know it's not just some nebulous entity bringing these predators to justice. When you see an article in the news or on the internet about a predator who was arrested, it's a very cheerful moment, but please understand when you see that article, there's a whole entire group of people behind that effort that put themselves in harm's way, not only to locate this offender, but now they have to expose themselves to the material this offender may have. They oftentimes have lengthy conversations with the offenders and the victims and also handle the fallout from the impact this has on the largely unaware family members and friends. Think about working in that environment. 
almost every day of your professional life. How that could affect you mentally, emotionally, and even physically. Now, some of my conversations have gotten me into a lot of trouble throughout my life and career. However, the impact of these conversations goes beyond just opening doors for me. They have introduced me to a network of exceptional people who I am sincerely grateful to know. They are like family to me, united in our mission to combat online child sexual exploitation. I'm ready to start talking about the things that society doesn't want to talk about. I think it's time. Now, more than ever, we are now on the precipice of the second paradigm shift in my professional career. The first being the advent of the internet. The internet spawned the ability to be part of a global community of like-minded individuals who are just one computer and one internet connection away from connecting with each other on an international scale with total anonymity. This incredible access thrusts the world into a new era where borders and barriers no longer limit the reach of a pedophile. Imagine the impact it was having on those individuals investigating these crimes. Going from imagery in old magazines that were printed 30 years ago, or old VHS tapes in maybe the hundreds, to now high definition, full audio and video by the thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions per investigation. Not to mention the millions and millions of these files that are being stored in the cloud by well-known tech companies. The law enforcement community was nowhere near prepared for the exponential increase and absolute tsunami of child sex abuse material that now had to be dealt with. And this tsunami caused an enormous amount of trauma for those investigating these cases. And this didn't happen out of design or malice. It was simply something that wasn't considered. But one of the amazing things that was born from this unpreparedness was innovation. I started early enough in my career to see all the innovation and all the incredible changes that the law enforcement community made as a whole to combat this crime bringing together academia, nonprofit organizations, tech companies, mental health providers, NGOs, law enforcement personnel at all levels, federal, state, and local, not just here, but internationally, all to address and tackle this problem head on. And there was no way this issue could have been properly addressed if it weren't for all the people behind this incredible innovation. Which brings us to the second paradigm shift, the advent and ubiquity of artificial intelligence. Instead of having to go and search the internet to try to find material that will satiate your child's sexual desires, now you can simply create it yourself photorealistic, no software skills required, 
as long as you can type a sentence, your imagination is your limit. And this being 2024, we are still in the infancy stages of artificial intelligence development. Now is the time that we pull our collective heads out of the sand as a society and confront this issue head on, starting with having these difficult conversations. Because if we don't, law enforcement will most certainly be completely overwhelmed. No one is talking about this. The world wants to believe that when they hear the term child pornography, that it's just these barely legal 17-year-old, 18-year-old, or maybe it's those harmless bathtub photos that were taken. No, it's not. This material is not harmless. It's not a mistake. It wasn't an accident. This is real. Even the term child pornography itself is now considered inappropriate to use for many different reasons that I will explore in a future episode. But also because it doesn't express the true content and horrific nature of this material depicting the brutalization and exploitation of prepubescent children. And furthermore, who are these offenders? In my career, in my very unremarkable career, I have arrested people from every different socioeconomic level you could possibly imagine. From a pediatrician in a 16,000 square foot mansion on the side of a mountain, to a homeless person. And how many times have you thought or heard someone say, wow, he's a nice guy. I can't imagine him ever doing that. I can't imagine them ever doing that. That statement right there, unfortunately, is part of the vernacular and has spread like a virus in our communities. We don't want to believe that there are people in this world that will hurt children. We don't want to believe there are monsters that there are adults in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and sometimes in our homes that are sexually attracted to prepubescent children. And children are being trafficked for sex. Human trafficking is real. But I want you to contemplate this. You cannot traffic a child for sexual purposes until you break them down first, until you abuse, exploit, and destroy them, only then will you be able to get any type of compensation for the trafficking of that child. Child exploitation comes before child sexual trafficking. We need to start focusing on the root cause before we can effectively treat the symptoms. Knowledge is power, and I earnestly believe until you truly understand a problem, there's no way to fix it. There is too much at stake for us to pretend that it's a faraway problem that happens to people on the other side of the world and not face the fact that over 90% of child sexual abuse victims know their offender. 
I'm going to start this conversation by letting the man that gave me my passion tell his story. This is a three-part interview that I think will give you a pretty concise look into the world of a child exploitation investigator and the sacrifices that they have to make, especially without a support system in place. And I can't thank David enough for his candid vulnerability and for being willing to openly discuss how this work impacted not only his professional life, but his personal life as well. Unfortunately, my passion has arisen from the ashes of his suffering and loss. So please join me. Join this conversation. I know it's a tough one. But there are men and women out there working tirelessly that are counting on a society to back them. And we can't back them if we don't really know what's going on.